This is Robert Wilson and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Captain J-Mac here of the RMS Caragunis. I need everyone to stay calm. We've just won a game. Comfortably. With a clean sheet. This is not a drill. It doesn't matter because we're relegated, but the feeling of happiness and pride is unusual. I want every match to their posts. Clappers at the ready. The mats I need are Dom and Beauclair. Surely they'll know how the hell this has happened. Three points. Dear God. And you just heard Robert Wilson introducing this week's show. And on behalf of the whole Focus team, we'd like to congratulate Robert on receiving the Forever Fulham Award from the club at halftime against Everton. Robert is a dear friend of Fulham Focus, and we are delighted to see one of our own receive recognition for his career with the club. As always, Mr. Wilson, we salute you, sir. Right, guys. Well, bloody hell. We won a game. We won a game. And you know what? In the last pod, I predicted the scoreline. I said that, well... I didn't get this completely correct, but I said it was going to be two-one and to us, and the cottage would be absolutely rocking. And it was. It was. It was a great, great day of football in the sunshine, Mister Dob. Yeah, I mean, um, a big surprise after the season uh, we've had. You know, there was there was something of a bit of freedom about the way we played. You know, and it's, it's hard to really pin that to, down to the fact we've gone down and it doesn't matter anymore, or the fact that things are you're starting to click under Parker. And I, I hope it's the second one. You know, certainly some of our players uh, put in, you know, top two, top three performances of the entire season, I would say. And as a team, probably the best performance for the 90 minutes overall. So, yeah, it's really good to be coming on and speaking after a win because it hasn't happened very often. And uh, let's savour it. Exactly. And would you say, Mr. Beauclair, that, you, I mean, did Everton flatter us a bit? I mean, I know I think some players like Richarlison were pretty much invisible throughout the whole game. Or were we actually very good and the shackles off of relegation basically made us a completely different team on Saturday? It's such an impossible one to to kind of um, to guess, really, because, as you say, Everton weren't at the races. If, if Richarlison was firing on all cylinders, we'd have known about it, but I forgot he was even on the pitch, to be honest. Um, I, I thought we had some very good individual performances and collectively it was it was a good performance as well. But yeah, as you say, it's a it's a, an amazing rare win. Uh, I I kind of thought that it might happen uh, as soon as we got relegated at, at Vicarage Road the other week. You, mm. you kind of think to yourself, well, now the pressure is off. You know, will will we kick on and will we will we put in a couple of performances either because the players are thinking about a summer move or because you know, like you say, the shackles are off and they're just playing with a lot more freedom. As I say, it's, it's impossible to guess what the reasoning behind it is, but it's it's a nice feeling to get a win all the same. Yeah, and do, with the lineup, I mean, oh, I know we're sick to death of talking of the lineup now, but you know, we 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 had a sort of healthy mix. We sort of predicted you and I that it was time to actually start putting players on the pitch that are very likely not to be with us next season. But I think Scott Parker got it right. I mean, Ryan Babble's clearly not going to be with us next season, but playing playing him and. Actually, even players like Fosu Mensa weren't bad yesterday, um, on Saturday either. I mean, what were your thoughts on how Scotty set up in the beginning? I know you hate talking about lineups, so we'll keep it. Yeah, the um, the the midfield and front three uh, were probably our, our strongest at the moment. Chambers, Angisa, and and Kearney, Seri still still on the bench, and then Sessegnon, Mitrovic, and Babel up front. And Babel Babel looks really good at the moment. I mean, uh, I. Mm. I kind of dislike the way he posts on social media. You know, he's posting pictures of him up in a uh, Liverpool shirt and in in whatever other shirt for a team that he's previously played for in the in the days leading up to a Fulham game. But then he then he comes along and he puts in a decent performance and he's scoring at the moment as well. So I think I'll have to let that one go. Um, I, I still don't know what our best back back four or back five is at the moment, but at the weekend it it looked pretty sound and. And if we can keep hold of Lamarchon, Ream, and and Alfie Mawson, then that is that's a pretty good start at Championship level for for uh, the the centre backs at least. Yeah, and I thought I thought Maxim Lamarchon had a terrific game, and it was good to see him 
on the right as a right centre-back alongside Tim Ream. I thought Tim Ream looked absolutely brilliant this game. Um, he just absolutely took Richarlison, I think it was Richarlison, back to school and just did a sort of dance move around him at one point in the game. It was brilliant. With Maxime Lamarche on really quickly, Mr. Beclair, you read in the programme of how he's actually hoping to stay for next season and how he likes the song and stuff, and that's always quite a nice thing to read. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice interview with him, actually, because we, we don't often hear from him. He's he's been in out the t- in and out of the team this season, but when he has played, I, th- I think uh, he's been one of our better players and more consistent players. And as you said, he he's, he was interviewed in the program and said that he wants to stay. He he doesn't want to go anywhere. He's set is settled in London. His other half settled in London, um, and yeah. I think he'll be a bloody good cha- uh, championship level defender actually. And yeah, he he likes the song as well, even though at times this season, for <laughs> example, at, at West Ham away at half time when. The Marshall wasn't anywhere near the pitch. Um, everyone was singing it at half time, so it's sometimes sung a little bit tongue in cheek. But I, I think he'll be a popular player for us next season if he um, if he establishes himself in the side for sure. Yeah, me too. And I think we might have actually, ironically, got the better deal out of the out of the Seri package with on the Maxime Lamarchon side. Um, Mr. Dom, just really quickly from you on on Ryan Babel's performance. I remember you saying on our wonderful whatsapp group just saying actually you had a certain you basically ended up saying that he was probably our most professional player on on the pitch and the one who's actually got the highest amount of premier league quality didn't you yeah i think so i think watching him play you can you can tell he's um he's played in this league uh, quite a lot and i think if he doesn't stay and i think you know it's looking like he's not going to uh, which will be a shame um, I think we'll miss him more than any other player that leaves, with perhaps the exception of Mitrovic. But since he's come into the team, he he scored what was that his third third goal now? I think. I think um, it's his fifth, so, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's, he's got yeah, really. He's got West Ham, yeah. Liverpool, Watford, Everton. That's four. There might be yeah. another one as well. Yeah, well, well however many is, I mean, it's, he's banging them in, and he he looks class. He's got he's got that extra edge of pace which we were we were missing. Um, he knows how to put his body about, uh, how to win headers and when w- what decisions to make. And that comes with, the, with Premier League experience. And we don't really have that um, from any other uh, wingers. And um, he, he's been fantastic. And, you know, what uh, Matt said about his kind of Instagram stuff, it, it, it's a valid point and it is a bit annoying. But you kind of <laughs> kind of got to understand, I think, that he's probably only here temporarily. He might be putting himself in the shop window a bit, but that's fine. We're reaping yeah. some rewards from the way he's playing, and that's good. If there's a slim chance that he he might stay with us and Tony Khan throws some money at him, then that would be that would be fantastic. But I think we just need to enjoy his performances when he's uh, while he's here because I, I can't see him being with us next year, which is a shame. The way he took his goal the other day, though, that first touch to get him away from the defenders, oh, and then to still have the pace at his age, um, you know, what is he thirty two? something like yeah, that, to yeah. get away from Premier League defenders. Imagine that in the Championship. He'd be prolific. Oh, he would. He would. It was fantastic. It was three touches from the halfway line to putting it in the net. And the, the final touch after, you know, busting a guy to get to it, to have the, the thought to actually just dink it over the goalkeeper. It was just a wonderful goal. Um, and his link-up with Mitrovic has been has been brilliant. Um, yeah. And a part of the reason why Mitrovic is sort of, he went off the boil a bit. And I think in the last few games, he's looked a bit better. And that's because there's there's an understanding between them that's developing. Um, it would be a shame to to not see that next year. But um, but yeah, p- perhaps there's an outside chance. As I say, we can throw some money at him and he might stay. Um, but who knows? Well, you know, Mitro was very much like the player of old on this game. Not on the score sheet necessarily, but certainly was bullying the defences. I mean, Kurt Zuma just couldn't handle him at most of the time. I thought um, he was very unlucky. I mean, he hit the crossbar at one point. I just completely screamed. <laughs> but I just, I'm interested because let's just quickly talk about Parker here. I mean, it looks like the Tim Ream of old. I think Tom Kearney looked like the Tom Kearney of old. Mitrovic looks like the Mitro of old. And, you know, Babel's playing extremely well. Obviously, Scott Parker has got these players really wanting to, I mean, I've never seen us play this good and we're relegated. And obviously, I know the shackles are free and you can express yourself, but there must be something said about Scott Parker's motivation skills with these players, but also his tactical nuance. I mean, he's been changing things up for, for, for each game. He's gone five at the back, which almost worked for Chelsea and Liverpool. And he's gone 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 with this game. And, you know, we won with a clean sheet. 
Um, Mr. Beclair, I mean, with Scott Parker here, I know we go on about it to death and if he's staying or if he's going, but you can see that this is potentially, I mean, there could be a few more wins down the line if it keeps on going like this, right? Well, yeah, but let's not forget, you and I went to Vicarage Road the other day and we were absolutely yes. appalling in the second half. We just completely capitulated. So let's not get carried away with ourselves. This is one win in, uh, in is it five oh, games you've been there for now? So, you know, it, I, I, I don't know whether he's going to be a good manager or not, but since he's come in, he's steadied the ship. Uh, we, we looked much better against Chelsea. We did well against Liverpool. Pretty crap against Man City. Crapper against, uh, crap against Leicester in the first half. Better in the second half. And then appalling against Watford in the second half as well. So there's still no consistency, but we are seeing signs of improvement. Yeah, I'm, I'm reluctant to, I think, to get too carried away. I think after Leicester, I was, I was pretty annoyed because that performance, especially in the first half, was, was really unacceptable. But... I can I can definitely see that things are slowly improving, you know. And it, one thing that's weighing on my mind is, you know, you get the players like Tom Kenny's come out and said um, that the players want to play for him and they they they're buying into his methods and all that kind of thing. And that's great. This was to an hear. article released earlier, wasn't it? It was an article yes. that you actually put on the group, yeah, yeah, in the Telegraph, and it's really good actually. Um, I think there's some great quotes from Tom. Um, you know, including things that like he said he's going to stay, which is which is brilliant to hear because Tom Kearney playing at the top of his game in the championship is probably the best player in the league. But mm. but kind of back to Parker, it's kind of that sort of alarm bells ringing a little bit because it reminds me a bit of the, the Kit Simon situation and he was popular with the players and the fans as well. And they, he, that kind of got him the job and it, it turned out he, he wasn't up to it after uh, half a season or so. So I'm reluctant to say, yeah, give him the job. But there were a hell of a lot of positives in that. Um, some things that I, I really liked to see was um, quite a few of our chances came from us winning the ball high up the pitch, sort of the halfway line, uh, yeah. and, and attacking quickly and quickly getting numbers forward to support the forwards. And that is something we didn't see with Ranieri. And obviously with Jukanovic, we, we tried to get possession all the time. Our way of defending was to keep the ball, and that didn't work in this league. Ranieri went the opposite way and we sat back and invited pressure on and with a defence that's as weak as ours, that, that wasn't going to work. And we didn't have the pace to break from that far back. But, you know, we were in defence, we were throwing ourselves at the ball a lot against Everton. That was brilliant to see. But winning the ball high up the pitch, still trying to play football, but effective football rather than mm. just possession for the sake of it. Those are the things that I'm really, I'm really liking from Parker. And... If that carries on and we have, I, I think it's more performances over points for me for the rest of the season. If we keep playing Absolutely. like that uh, for the rest of the season, um, the rest the, the remaining four games, we probably will pick up some wins if we do keep playing like that. Um, but it's about if we can see these things are, that are just starting to work. If they become consistent towards the end of the season, then I'd be happy for him to get a job. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, like you were always saying that we think 25 points is the is the target for, for him getting the job. I think he could probably get to 26, um, to be honest with you. I think he could yeah, probably sure. get two more wins. Um, I mean, I, I just, actually... I, sorry. No, go. I, I just don't think... I don't think he'll be judged on how many points he gets. And I don't think he should okay. be judged on how many points he gets. If... if uh, It's not a good reason to give a manager a job just for players saying that they want to play for him. But if if you know Mitrovic and Gisa and Tom Kenny all say we'll stay if you give Scott Parker the gig, I think we'd already have one of the best teams in the league next year. So it'll be worth listening to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very good. Okay, so we've talked about you know Ryan Babel and how good he was for us, and we exploited them on the left hand side. But let's talk about our midfield for a second. And because Matt Dom just alluded to the fact you know that we kept winning the ball high up, and that was due to our midfield overrunning theirs and how good I thought Chambers absolutely bossed it. Kenny was obviously on maestro form, but Angisa once again was playing out of his skin. And I find it quite weird. I'd like it if someone could answer this question for me. There's something about Angisa that doesn't seem to match, as in for a player of his build and height, he seems to actually be almost have like the sort of technical gifts of a really sort of clever, crafty midfielder who can 
just break lines and pass it very, very quickly. Do you know what I mean when I say that, Matt Buclair or Matt Dom? Someone talk to me about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he just reminds me of Papa Buba Diop, kind of in his build. He's uh, quite leggy and very strong, good on the ball. I don't think he's got a shot quite like Papa Booba. Papa Booba used to score some fabulous goals, and maybe Anguissa still will. But I kind of I know what you mean, and I think he's such a dominant player in the middle. And I said before last time I was on this show as well. I I just feel like if if he does come down to the championship with us, and and I think he will, I think he'll be one of the best players in the division if he can stay free of injury, and um, and get a good run in the team. So, yeah, I, I really like him. And I, I, I did like him at the start of the season as well. It's just a shame that it took so long for him to settle in. And then he, then he struggled with his, his injury and, and a bit of form. But um, it, it's interesting as well. You mentioned Chambers. Chambers seems to be switching from defence to defensive midfield. He's back and forward, back and forward. But he still puts in a consistent shift. And it's funny, isn't it? Do you remember earlier in the season when he was kind of moving along the, the back four and looked appalling and then then he had that half at Cardiff as well where he played right back and, and was shocking by yeah. all accounts and now you know he's, he's one of our most consistent players and whether he plays in in midfield or in central defence you know he's, he's one of the first names on the team sheet and I'll go to you with this Matt yeah no, I I agree with pretty much uh, everything Matt just said it's that he was making some brilliant runs against Everton and I, I, I know what you mean about he it was surprising the kind of the attributes he's got for a player. When he came in, you're expecting him to kind of break up the ball, lay it off to a more creative player and be that kind of bully, you know, in, in, a, in a way that um, Dixon Atuhu kind of was. Um, that's what I was expecting from him anyway. But against Everton, he sort of, he won the ball and, and took on a couple of players. And all of a sudden, we've got a lot of space and some runners ahead of him. And that really made a difference the way the way we attacked. And yeah, it made us a bit more direct uh, and just having that kind of extra body coming from from deeper in midfield gave us a lot more options up front. And I'm still I'm still not 100 percent sure that he'll be able to play the um, the the sole defensive midfielder role. Uh, you know that, that we we got from um, K Mac last season. Mm. I don't think he's got the discipline. Uh, he he does like to break his lines, as he said, and um, he's good with the ball. So he'll look to start start attacking moves and I think alongside someone like Chambers who's a bit more of a kind of getting in the way you know running all over the place and really putting on the miles on the clock it worked really well and I think that was kind of the three midfielders we we started with against Everton, Kenny and Gisa, Chambers similar to the way we had the three last season with Johansson, Kmac and Kenny they were really really important to the way we played and it, it, it's different in that we now have kind of two sitting if you like rather than just k-mac yeah um, but Angisa is playing that kind of link up role between chambers and and kenny that i thought uh, would have been seri actually but i think in, in recent games Angisa has looked like much more of a player than seri does and, and and that really has surprised me well do you think he could stay in the championship because you got people some people i know on other outlets are saying, you know, I don't know what they're smoking, but who think Anguissa is going to stay in the championship. But a lot of people seem to think that he won't and that people place places like, I don't know, leagues abroad or maybe even a team like Watford would like to actually get a player like Anguissa to fill in Dokure uh, or something like that. I'm just interested in your final points if you actually think Anguissa could stay with them. I, th- I think he'll stay because he's, he costs so much money and he's on a massive contract. So who's going to who's going to pay the money to take him away? Because all right, he's started to look good for us recently, but he yeah. hasn't had the best season, not the most consistent season. And I don't think anybody's going to look at it and think, you know, I'm going to pay the 30, 40 million it takes to break this player from that contract. And I don't think that the Cairns will want to sell either. And from what Kearney's saying, um, I, I think that they're, I, I think they'll want to hang on to most of our players, to be honest. Well, this ties in brilliantly. So, hanging on to our players, let's just talk about it. Mitro, I mean, what what's your gut instinct with Mitro, Mister Dumb, about? Because I mean, there are talks of a potential West Ham move. There might be some Everton movement potentially as well. I'm just interested to know if you think what your gut feeling on Mitro staying with us is, because you can see that he loves the club, and it's very very reassuring sometimes to see him pat the badge on his on his chest after the game and after applauding the crowd 
I'd just like to know what you think about it. Yeah, I've, I keep swinging one way and the other with, with Mitrovic. Me too, it's yeah. Kind <laughs> of, I, I just, I, until Everton, I kind of thought, okay, I've come to terms with the fact he's probably going to leave. And for some reason after that, just seeing seeing the way he celebrated and uh, just the way it kind of it started to work again, it made me think, oh, maybe he he will want to give us another another season. And it goes back to the point of that Matt just made about Angisa. He's got a a long, expensive contract. Yeah. Um, I I dare say there's probably going to be more suitors for Mitrovic than there would be for Angisa. So I think he's more likely to go. But Khan, uh, you know, Shad Khan is is ambitious, and I don't think it's outside the realms of possibility that it will convince him to give us another year. If we don't go up, we'll sell you, or if it's not looking likely in January, we'll try and sell you then. But I wouldn't be that surprised if he stayed. Now I'm starting to lean mm. towards maybe maybe he'll give it a go. Uh, and you know, with him and if Angisa stays as well, Kenny, I think is probably likely to stay. I think we'll sell a couple. Maybe uh, I think Seri will definitely go. Sessegnon possibly and those might be enough to to fund the wages for the bigger players for a year to see if we can come back up because I think the cards will want us to come straight back up yeah I mean but Claire what are you thought your thoughts on this because with the, the wage I mean it's actually some quite shrewd business by the cards of actually having our wage bill for next season and stated in their particular contracts um is there actually potentially room for a gourmet signing to stay like Mitro for next season in your eyes I don't think it will be Mitro, to be honest. I, I think Mitro will be yeah. off. I'd love him to stay, but I, I think he's too good. He's too good for the championship. And I, and I think he has been good enough for uh, a club to come in and, and part with what it will take to, to take him away. As much as, as much as it pains me to say it, but I hope that whatever money we do get for him, we, we invest it wisely. And that's what we need. We need to find somebody who's who's kind of sitting in a, a Premier League club's reserves, who's just waiting for, for that chance to come and prove themselves, like he was um, just over a year ago. And you just hope that, hope that we can find somebody who we can, who we can take down to the Championship, give a shot in the arm to their career, and then get us back up again. Yeah, excellent. Um, yeah, another player I'd like to talk about is uh, Sergio Rico. You know, he, he's... It's a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, you know, he, he, he's... He's really, really heavily criticised at the moment, and I can understand why completely, especially from your angle, Pekla. I mean, you're not his biggest fan. I mean, the guy just can't catch a cold sometimes, and like he likes to play volleyball more than football, it seems. But he, he does, like... Is it potential that we're all being a bit too harsh? Is it maybe that actually his punching that he does is somehow embedded in his training as a goalkeeper when he was in Seville or something like that? And also, I mean, the jeering that was happening... Potentially a step too far, in my opinion, when we're actually winning two nil comfortably to start ironically cheering your goalkeeper. Now. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, but I, I just I can't stand him as a goalkeeper. I, I think he's rubbish. <laughs> I, I, think dumb, I, I can't. I know. Yeah, I, I can't remember <laughs> if I said it on a previous show or whether we were chatting on WhatsApp. But I can't remember a crapper keeper that's been given an extended run in our team in the Premier League. Mm. The worst well, goalkeeper we've had in the Premier League. Who's worse? Who's who's had I mean, uh, you know he's had two thirds of the season. Bag. Yeah, but, but did he get an extended run in the team? I, I agree oh, with I you. He was, crap. He, he was like he was on the bench at the weekend for Everton, by the way. Yeah, he's still knocking. Was out. he? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, it's, it's a good question. It's a good point, and I don't have an answer. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but that's we go, it. Then it's I, official. <laughs> I, I don't. I this is podcast gold. I still don't, apart from his punching, which is is kind of annoying, but there are some keepers uh, who are really good at that. So maybe in training, he's good at that. But um, yeah, I think the kind of jeering when he catches it is a bit, I don't know, it's, it's kind Too of annoying. Much. Sometimes I find it's, it's, it's just a bit annoying. It's the fact that he punches. It's the fact that he punches when he's under no pressure. That's what's so frustrating. Yeah, no, it's fair enough. The one that annoyed me was where it was right under his crossbar at the far post under no pressure and he could have just got both hands on it and he punched it up in the air and the defender ended up having to try and head it away. Um, So it is a bit silly. His own own worst enemy a lot of the time. But that said, I I don't think he's that terrible. Um, And he's, he's definitely not the cause of our problems this year. 
Definitely not the cause of our problems, but definitely won't be here next season either. So I don't think we should dwell on it too much. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I take I take your point. We shouldn't be booing our own players, or you know, the, the, the ironic cheers. I, I thought they were quite funny, to be honest. When you started, um, when them, I I might have been involved in them, but <laughs> never mind. And yeah, I mean that's a good place to actually sum up here. Actually, I, I didn't like that the whole chanting was happening for him when we were winning 2-0 comfortably and the fact we were winning comfortably was something just quite very rare for us these days and it was a shame it happened like that but it was a, it was very odd it was almost like watching us in the Premier League of old when we actually could see out games like that and we were there was some really good shit housing going on towards the end um you know we had two men down at one point it looked like you know D-Day and saving private Ryan but actually I thought Mitro was just being quite cunning. He actually got a really nasty, horrible challenge from Gomez, didn't he, Mr. Dunn? Yeah, yeah, it was awful. I mean, first thought was um, it's a kind of near the end of the game, bit of a lazy tackle, he's left his boot in and it was an accident. But on the replay, you can kind of see he's got a lot of time to make a decision not to put his foot in and the ball is long gone. So it was really nasty. And it's one of those ones that, I think if Mitrovic's boot uh, foot was a little bit more grounded, it probably would have snapped his ankle. So it, it's not nice to see. It was really horrible. But but yeah, the, the, we we did really look. One thing I found I found quite impressive was how well um, the players were up for it, given that mm. we were already down. I know I know we can say you know, the, the shackles came off and we had freedom, and that's probably why we played some good football. But that doesn't explain why we were so committed to defending that lead. Um, exactly so so that was really good to see and I, I wonder if you know Stuart Gray coming back has had any impact at all I'm, I'm I'm no expert but all I do know is when he left we looked a lot worse at the back and now he's come back we look a bit better so you know that's all I've got to go on but um but it's good to see us committed at the back that's for sure yeah and we haven't done this yet so let's wrap this up with a Parker rating we haven't actually done a Parker rating yet on the show so I'd like to get your Parker rating out of 10 please Mr McGlad for this performance I don't know let's go with a 10 shall we we haven't given a 10 out this season well, we've, won. we've won at home we've kept the clean sheet all's good bloody hell 10 alright and for you Mr Dom well I was going to go for an 8 um, but <laughs> well Claire's yeah. got a bit carried away so I'm going to go with a 9 uh, I can't right. think of any reason why to knock a, knock a point off to be honest we won it was comfortable lovely day uh, in the sun at the cottage so you know none of that's Parker's fault um, so <laughs> I, I don't know why we can take off a point but uh, yeah 10 would be a bit ridiculous for me <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll even I'll make it 8 so we'll do 8, 9 and 10 yeah, but definitely right. a very good a very good performance from him alright guys excellent um, after this we're going to have the quiz Fulham. And welcome back. Now it's time for the quiz. Uh, yes, the immortal quiz. 20 points for my co-host today, or 30 points if you're listening at home. All right, so round one. To celebrate Tom Kearney finally scoring his first Premier League goal in a Fulham shirt. Great goal, by the way. We didn't mention that earlier. It was a really good goal. This round will be all about naming the opponent that the following players scored their first Premier League goal for Fulham in. Uh, to celebrate Tom Kearney finally scoring his first Premier League goal in a Fulham shirt. All right. So not necessarily their first Fulham goal or the first Premier League goal of their careers, but the first Premier League goal for Fulham. Okay. So we have two sets here. We have set one or set two. Um, Mr. Dunn, which set would you like? Would you like set one or set two, sir? Uh, I'll go with one. Okay. You're going with set number one. So this is five names each you have to guess the team that they scored their first Premier League goal for Fulham against okay so here we go Dimitar Berbatov um don't know uh, Stoke I'm afraid not it was West Brom his first goal on a Fulham shirt was West Brom we won 3-0 at the cottage no, it's it just just name a team. It's fine. It's meant to be. Yeah, tricky, that's don't what worry. I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. Just name a team. It's fine. And, and that was in the twelve thirteen season. All right, excellent. And we'll go for the next one. The next one we'll go for. All right, Boa Morte. Um, 
West Ham? Unfortunately not. It was Charlton away. It was at one all. One all. It was the only goal in the game. We we it was we drew one all with Charlton away in the two thousand one two thousand two season. All right. Okay. Next is Brian Ruiz. Okay. Um. I want to say, was it the one against Bolton? I'm going to say that Bolton. Unfortunately, not. It is Everton. It was Everton ah, at home on a with a beautiful, beautiful dink goal. over Tim exactly. Howard's head. Yeah, exactly. The 11-12 season with a three-one loss at the Cottage to Everton. So that was Brian Ruiz's first goal and a Fulham shirt. All right. Okay. It's going well one so far. Is, no, it's all right. It's, it is tricky. It is tricky. All right. Next one is Breda Hangeland. Okay. Uh, I'm just going with. Teams I remember the, this player scoring against. Um, he got one against uh, Spurs, so let's go with them. Uh, no, no. It was against Arsenal. He scored 1-0 against Arsenal. It was the only goal of the game, and we won it as 1-0, like I said, in the 2008-2009 season. These are meant to be hard, mate. Don't worry. Okay, so you got one final guess. One final guess. The last one is Sasha Ritha. Did he score for us? And I can confirm this is the only <laughs> goal he ever scored for us. Uh, Liverpool. Unfortunately, it was Sunderland away. It was 2 all on the 2nd of March 2013. It was the only goal he scored, but that was his first Premier League goal for Fulham against Sunderland away. All right. Okay, then. Cool. Cheers, sir. Um, no, that's fine. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so that's a big fat naught for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mr. Beclair. So it is set one for you, I think, isn't it? What, did, what set did Matt do? It's you, set two. Sorry. I, give I me knew the same that. ones again if you want. No, no, that's all right. So, okay. So set, set two. Here we go. All right. Here we go. Barry Hales. When was Barry Sunderland. Hales' first goal? Sunderland. Bloody hell. Oh. Bloody hell, all right. Sunderland, yes, it was Sunderland in our first ever Premier League game at the Cottage in the 2001-2002 season. Who knew there was a noise for a correct answer, eh? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then, okay, next one is Petrich. Norwich. That's correct. He did score his first goal in a Fulham shirt for Norwich. It was where we won 5-0. We won 5-0 at home and there were two goals. He scored two goals in that game and that was in the 12-13 season. All right, here we go. Danny Murphy. Man City. I wish I knew important stuff. I wish I knew important Hell. stuff. Sh- yes, it was Man City. It was Man City, <laughs> mate. Yeah, it was um, Man City at home. It was 3-0 in the 07-08 season. Excellent. Okay. Here we go. Try this one for size. Jimmy Bullard. Sheffield United. No, unfortunately not. His first ever Premier League goal for Fulham was a penalty in the 90th minute against Bolton in the 06-07 season. Oh, yeah. Vaguely remember. No one's perfect. All right. And the last one for you, Bobby Zamora. Um, did he score at Hull away? No, um, he scored uh, against Bolton at home, I think. He did indeed, and it was 2-1 in the 08-09 season. Very good, mate, very good. So that's uh, four out of five for you. So we're currently on, Beclair is on four and Dom is on nil. But there's plenty of time, there's plenty of time. Okay, good. All right, fellas, round two is back and forth. You know how it works, it's back and forth. Bournemouth and Cardiff are the only sides that Fulham are pointless against from all of the opponents we have faced in the Premier League era, which is outstanding. So ahead of our visit to Bournemouth on Saturday, I want you to name the starting eleven when Fulham lost 5-1 to Bournemouth at the Cottage in 2015. So I want you to name the squad back and forth. No, and I will no start jokes. with... Well, you might. I'll start with you, Mr. Dom. Um... Christ, who was, who was in the team then? What season um, was this? 
This is season uh, 2000. Well, it was in 2015. Okay. Mm. I mean, I guess, is this a starting lineup? Yep, the starting lineup. I'm, I'm guessing Ross McCormack was there. Ross McCormack was there. Very good. And to you, Mr. Beclair? Dembele? No Dembele in the starting lineup, I'm afraid. And to you, Mr. Dom? Um... Oh, I didn't. Hold on. You got uh, that's a ding for earlier, Mister Dom. Um, and that's right. You, you're used to not pressing it, so don't worry. Um, <laughs> pressing with... it, I'm tapping it. <laughs> um, I reckon. I reckon Mister Parker might have played. Super Scott was playing very good, and for you, Mister McLean, uh, husband. No, husband was not in the starting lineup for that game. It's coming back. Back to you, Mister Dom. Yeah. Just. This is the first year down, right? Uh, Fulham lost 5-1 to Bournemouth for the Cottage in 2015. That's all I have. So, yeah, okay. Um, Oh, man, who's in goal? Kirali. He was there. No. Kirali is not on the list of the starting lineup. I'm afraid. And to you, Mr. McLean? What about Kachaniklic? Kachaniklic. Was not in the starting lineup either for that game. Back to Mr. Dom. It's not even that long ago. Um, it's not. It's Ryan Tunnicliffe playing then. Ryan Tunnicliffe was indeed playing that game. Very good. Very good. And back to Mr. Beclair. Jamie O'Hara. Oh, good shout. Jamie O'Hara was not playing in the starting 11 good. for that day. Bloody hell. Right, okay. And Mr. Dom, final guess from you. It's really turned around here. Um, trying to get a defender. Let's go Dan Byrne. Dan Byrne is not on the list, I'm afraid. So that is out of five. You've got three. Mr. Dom, uh, Beclair, a chance for you to get one here. I don't even know who's in goal. Uh, Bettinelli. Bettinelli was... Between the posts or the sticks, whatever you call it. Yep, that's right. It was Bettinelli. And I'll give you the full rundown of who started the lineup. It was Bettinelli, oh, Hoogland, Hutchinson, Bodorov, <sighs> Amora Bieta, Parker, Tunnicliffe, Kavana, Ruiz, Rodiega, and McCormack. All right. And the subs, you wouldn't have got a point for this, but just it's interesting. Kerali, he was on the subs. I could have maybe have given you half a point for that, Don, but it wasn't part of the starting lineup. Danny might be annoyed about that, but I think that's absolutely fine. No, I mean, um, yeah, that's the rules. It's the rules. And um, Steph is, uh, Steph, oh, for God, how do we pronounce his name? Stephalidis, that was it. Stephalidis, I remember. Smith, <laughs> Fafana, Vosa, Woodrow, and Byrne. So they were on the subs bench, unfortunately. So you don't get a full point for those. So in total after this, Beclair is now on five, and Dom is on three. Okay. All right, there's time to bring it back then in the guest to player round. Final round, guys. Guest to player. You know how it works. I list out 10 facts. Fact one to two, you get five points. Facts three or four, you get four points, etc. 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 Hey! Right. All right. Actually, I'm just going to check. I can confirm it's not Berbatov. All right. Fact number one. Fact number one. Here we go. This player is five foot eight tall. Fact number two, he made 114 appearances for the club. Okay. Outside the five-point zone, fine. Fact number three, he played under two different managers. Fact number four, he didn't score any goals. Outside the four-point zone. Fact number five, Despite being quite hot-headed on the pitch, this player was only sent off once. Okay, I'm oh, going to have a guess. Oh, wait, 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 wait. oh, okay. Come on, then. No, go on. Go on, mate. You have a go. You have a go. Um, I was going to go with Michael Brown. So was I. <laughs> You're both going to go Michael Brown? Should I both freeze you out there? Or, do, Matt Beclair, do you um, want to keep no, going? If, I think if that's it's Michael Brown. If it's, if it's Michael Brown, time. Matt can have the points. He, he said it. No, 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 no. Okay. No, no, no. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna both, 
This is. <laughs> I'm going to both freeze you there then, and I'm just going to keep on reading out the facts, and you can either feel very smug or very stupid. Here we go. All right. Pen number six. He is 26 years old. Oh. Pen <laughs> <laughs> uh, number seven. He signed for Fulham after less than a month of signing for Bristol City. You know who oh, it is now. Fat number eight. He is a Premier League player. Number nine, he was substituted during the playoff final at Wembley last May. And fat number 10, he is more than likely the fastest player Fulham have ever had. Take a bow, Ryan Fredericks. There you, you go. You made it all sound so past tense. Yeah. I know, I know. It's, just, it's depressing, isn't it? Okay, cool. So that's, that's it, guys. So the final scores are Matt Dom with three and Mr. Beclair with five. I'm sorry, Mr. Dom. But as a prize for you, as a prize for you, Mr. Beclair, uh, we managed to get this from the California uh, police, <laughs> um, police department, actually. Uh, we have a beautiful license plate with C-O-Y-W on it. And it doesn't fit my Aston mind, so I thought you might like it for your Cinquecento. <laughs> So there you go. All right. <laughs> enjoy. There you go. Enjoy well, that man. plate, mate. Well done. Well done. All right. Good quiz, guys. After this, we're going to have a little talk about Bournemouth and a bit of Tony Khan. Why not? Here we go. Fulham. And welcome back. Now, uh, before we get into the Bournemouth preview and deciding what inflatable we're going to bring, apparently that's a rule. I need to talk to you guys about that because I don't know. I know nothing about that. So. On to Tony Khan. There's been another bit of Instagram uh, noise from him. I was just wondering, Beclair, if you could inform us of what he's been saying. Instagram noise. Well, we won, didn't we? So Tony's, Tony's been on social media. Um, <laughs> he, popped up, he popped up a picture of himself with Tom Kearney on, um, on Saturday. Uh, and he said, thank you to the Laurel Fulham supporters. Uh, you were amazing today. What an atmosphere. Thanks also to the Fulham staff who worked so hard and a huge thank you to the squad who really deserve that victory today. They care about this club and your support and I care about them. They're a great group and we have a family at Fulham fighting for the future. To our captain, Tom Kearney, congratulations on your goal today and for being a leader for, leader for us always, both now and in many seasons to come. Come on, Fulham. Mm. And then then somebody had a pop at him. And he just replied, I'm not going to read what, what the person put because it's not very pleasant. But, but I went, Tony Khan, but I went into, this, into the supporters' trust and apologised and spoke at length on it. And it's been extensively documented. Uh, 16 out of 27 playoff winners, 59% have gone down immediately, 70% within two years. And I suspect few of them have ever taken that amount of hate. We'll be back. Thank you for the support. So... Tony's been uh, involved again. And actually, I, I joined the Supporters Trust a while ago and they, yeah. regularly, uh, they regularly email out asking people for their feedback for the, for the next meeting. And, and I emailed them back a little while ago and just said, next time you meet them, any chance you could raise the fact that we could just do with some positive PR from the Khans? Because when we got relegated, Shahid obviously uh, published his, um, his statement which was, you know, you'd expect him to do. But we don't hear often enough from, from him. And the only time we ever hear from Tony is either when he's, uh, either when we've won, which, you know, isn't very often these days, or when he's just having a go at somebody on social media. And I get it because people are quite unpleasant to him and unnecessarily so, in my opinion. Um, but too, it would be yeah. great if, if, if we could get some kind of positive PR, regular positive PR, just to kind of repair that, disconnect that that's happened and, and there is a disconnect between us and Tony and and I do feel a bit sorry for him and I completely disassociate myself and I, I'm pretty sure um, Fulham Focus would completely disassociate ourselves as a group um, from those who are singing those pathetic songs at the games which which make me really cross mm. yeah I mean I couldn't I couldn't agree more and I, it's, it's, it's not what Fulham's about we're we're, we're not like that and and it's absolutely pathetic to be honest yeah, I mean, we have been trying. I mean, Don, what are your thoughts on this? Actually, I'll go to you with this before I give my. No, I, I hope that wasn't the um, attempt at positive PR as uh, my first, <laughs> the first thing I was like. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I like the fact he, he he says things like um, how, he says how much he cares about the club and and. Um, the fact he's coming out to even you know say anything at all, I I, I, do, I do appreciate that, but it's just kind of 
he, he's kind of he's damned if he doesn't damned if he doesn't really because he doesn't say anything everyone exactly. goes oh where is he? he's gone missing he does and then he just starts getting abuse immediately so if i was him i, I probably wouldn't bother but it's it's kind of anytime he, he does say anything now he's going to get this this abuse and then he go he goes on to say things you know, like um i'll die at this club which which yeah, is great second time um the second time he said that which is great to know that you know the owners are committed in my opinion but he he's goading them and it's just it's just doesn't come across as very professional um that, mm. that's kind of my my main issue with it but that said i'm i'm, I'm behind the cons and i think um they've only got mm. the club's best interest in at heart and the, there's many examples of terrible owners um exactly so 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 it, it the 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 intention is good, but the the way he does it, it is not necessarily, it doesn't really work. Um, so that, that's kind of my my only thoughts on it, really. Let me tell you this: I I, I never I never read this out at the time, but um, when uh, Jakanovic was sacked, and I don't know if this is coming across, but my my French bulldog's laying next to me and snoring really loudly, so I'm sorry if that's audible. Um, when 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 Slav, when when Slav was sacked, uh, Tony tweeted after the Southampton game, and I remember replying to him, and I said that's that's all very nice because he said he said some nice things about Slav, which were you know kind of like a a, a week or two after Slav had been sacked, and I tweeted back and just replied and said that's all very well, Tony, but it would have been nice if you'd have done that at the time rather than waiting until we won, and he direct messaged me, and I've still got it. I'll read it to you. So. He replied, um, was working hard to make sure we got the three points before I worried about tweeting. These points were huge to us. Few people took Slav's departure harder than I did. We worked together for years and we had a good relationship personally and this wasn't easy. I communicated my feelings to Slavisa privately and to me that was by far the most important thing to me. But thanks for your support, Matt. I know it's not easy with this club, but we're trying hard here. And I really think he means it. I really think that he is trying his absolute best. And does he deserve the abuse? Okay, so no. He, when when he took over, he he made it quite clear at the weekend. When he took over, the club were twentieth in the championship. He built us into this into a club that was competing to be promoted, and then we got promotion. And all right, we've had an appalling year this year. But just because he's had one bad year, does it really mean that he's uh, he deserves all the abuse he's getting, or does he deserve another chance, perhaps with a more experienced football man? next to him as an advisor, which I think we're going to come on to. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Mr. Dunn? I'll, I'll go straight to you with that because, I mean, we were, his passion, obviously, he wants to get this right and I can't really, he says he'll die at this club and I agree with everything you're saying. Without the cons, we'd be nothing. I, I don't think we have a, a snowball's hell, chance in hell actually returning to this league without them. Um, the Premier League, that is. So, and, you know, the Riverside's happening and that cements us at the cottage for, you know, forever, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you know, certainly in our lifetimes. And But he obviously isn't going to be beaten by this one failure and he wants to make sure that we come back even stronger next time. Do you potentially see, Mr. Tom, any... We've been trying to instigate this us focus team, you know, through Twitter and other means of just saying if someone like John Collins as a director of football to work alongside him and be that extra bit of filter for making transfer targets or, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think, I think as a club, we, we need owners like the Khans to, to keep us going and to, to push us into the Premier League. If that is indeed our ambition, I know a lot of fans would rather stay in the championship, but you know, what's the point of being a football club if you're not going to try and get to the highest level? Um, yeah. And I think we need them backing us in order to do it. Um, Tony Khan, I like, like I said, I like that he's he's committed to it and he wants to, to get us back up. I'd be much more worried if he was saying, you know, screw it all, you're all a bunch of twats and I'm off. That would be, that would be much harder to take and much more worrying yeah. for us as a club. But yeah, he needs some help and he needs... Um, the, the whole, you know, we, we've talked to death about this, the stats argument and how transfer targets need to come from um, more than one source, which is, you know, scouting and and stats and the players need to be watched and you need to, to, to come to a consensus on the player and it can't just come from through one avenue. But we, we do need a direction 
uh, a philosophy on the pitch and that needs to, to, to go all the way through the club through to recruitment and and beyond so so someone alongside him who knows about football who knows about the club and who really knows what it takes to 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 compete at the highest level is needed and whether that's John Collins or someone else it, I think it's the best way that we could we can go forward I think his his comments where he says I'll die at this club I think suggests to me that he will remain in his position and will be the one in charge. And I'm a bit concerned about that because I think um, I, I would much rather sla- uh, Shad to say, do you know what? I like that you're um, I'm going to keep you in charge of m- making decisions, but fo- footballing wise, he needs someone who knows the game. I, I, I agree with you. Um, but I think, so what's this? Is this his third season at the club now? And mm. we got we got to the playoffs. Then we got to the playoffs again and got promoted. And then we got relegated. So uh, I, I know we've talked about this at length throughout the course of the season, and we've talked about what what we think needs to happen. And and I, I just I, I wish he was a little bit less stubborn and said, "Yeah, okay, we know where we went wrong this season. And one of the things we're going to do is bring in some more football people around me. I'm staying in this position." but I want to surround myself with football people who can advise me on footballing matters. We're going to still go with stats. We're still going to go with the scouting, but let's bring in somebody who can help us identify the players um, that we can then check the stats of. Because we know John Collins, and um, I I don't think they'll mind me saying that John Collins and and Danny uh, talk quite regularly by the sounds of it. And John Collins said to Danny, I know every single young, young player in France who's, who's, you know, worth their salt. And we'd be stupid to turn our back on the fact that, and, and we know John Collins would, would like to be involved as well, to be quite frank. And we'd be stupid as a club to say, well, we're not interested in that kind of knowledge. John Collins is vastly experienced. Um, he knows what he's talking about. And I, I think it would be it would be great to have him involved in some capacity, quite frankly. But I, I'm, I'm not saying get rid of Tony. No, I don't, I don't think anyone is really. No, I, I think sorry. a lot. I think a lot of people are. Maybe, maybe not us three, but no, I, th- I yeah, think okay, I think people enough. just people just see a problem and they think the only way to solve this is by getting rid of the person that signed all these players. And, yeah. and Tony Khan's uh, in a lot of ways he's, he's his own worst enemy because when uh, when he made the signings last season, he took all the credit for the signings, and we were all excited at how much we were spending and the sorts of players we we thought we were getting for the money. And now it's all gone wrong. People, people are paying for his blood, and and it's not fair. And and you know the, the guy probably deserves another chance. To be honest, yeah. And I think um, you know it will be interesting to see because it's if a director of football is implemented, it will be very very interesting to see who they pick. And someone like John Collins fits the bill for knowing the club and actually just having obviously very good contacts as such. But I just hope they wouldn't they don't make a wrong decision by appointing someone very similar to the ilk of Casper Stalsvig again, who was in charge of the sort of, I know it was a completely different role. He was in charge of the commercial revenue of the club, but we don't want someone who, you know, we don't want someone that's just all gloss and someone who's just, you know, they picked some, for instance, Casper Stalsvig was picked as someone who was, you know, on the books of Manchester United before. Now he's gone off to AC Milan. It wasn't the right fit for Fulham. And that's in my opinion, where everything went wrong with ticket prices. But anyway, that's another story. Um, yeah, it's it's just essential if the appointment is made, it's the right one, and John Collins would fit the bill in my book. So let's um, let's quickly talk about Bournemouth. Um, the inflatables thing, really quickly. Can someone just uh, is is this a thing on away days? What, what talk, talk to me about it, Buckley? I I don't know to be honest, but I have got a story about inflatables, which um, which you might quite enjoy. So um, in 1998, we went to went to Hamburg for pre season friendly. <laughs> And yeah. um, it was very jovial, and obviously all of the um, shops of a certain nature over in that neck of the woods were uh, everyone. Everyone had a little look and, and a good old laugh. And somebody, somebody bought. Let's call it an inflatable, and it was it was being chucked around, you know, in in the pubs. Um, whilst we were over there, we were over there for a couple of days, and I kind of forgot about it. We came home. And then the first away game of that season, or the first game of that season, actually was um, was Macclesfield away. And this this doll appeared in full Fulham kit, just being chucked around the away end. It was absolutely brilliant. Obviously, with uh, with a big wide open mouth, 
very <laughs> very surprised for some reason. I don't know why. It must have been the fact that we won one nil away from home. John Salarco. But yeah, it's brilliant. And and then at one point it got thrown and it landed by the feet of a policeman as well. And he just threw it back into the crowd. It was brilliant. So yeah, so yeah I, don't know, I don't know what's going. Pardon? <laughs> I'm so relieved you said mouth. <laughs> well, yeah. Let's let's um, let's not go into any other detail. But in terms of inflatables at Bournemouth, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to Bournemouth. I I hadn't um, hadn't really thought about inflatables to be honest. I've I've got a few up in the up in the loft actually, but I won't go into that either. <laughs> uh, okay. I wish I hadn't said okay. that. No, 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 it's good. It's that was coming out of my mouth. I thought, oh no, where are you going with this? It's not what you think. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get I to, think it's get a blow-up so far. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so Bournemouth, uh, I mean, I basically had to put this bluntly, shit hot at the moment after their 5 nil destruction of uh, Brighton and I mean there's nothing else we need to say I mean we're relegated we don't need to make a whole tactical sort of analysis of this I mean they've got quick players and I think it's going to be a completely different beast entirely to what Everton was especially the fact we're playing away I think you'll have very similar shades of what Watford was like what are your thoughts on that Dom? Yeah it's all about away isn't it I mean we I can't see us facing that first this season now um I don't quite know. I don't quite understand why it's so much harder to win away from home than it is at home. Obviously, the home team attacks a bit more, but over the space of a season, you think we might have picked up at least one win. Um, I think Bournemouth were actually weren't in very good form until they went to the Amex um, at the weekend, but but now they'll be obviously riding high on, on that wave. Um, it's it's going to be really tough, isn't it? They're, they're an excellent side. They're a side that I, that, um, I think a lot of us agree that we we could and should be emulating in terms of their the kind of their recruitment and the way they bring in young players and give them a chance and get them to to improve and grow as at the club um i think there's a lot to like about bournemouth they play some yeah. great football and it's going to be really really hard and i think it'll be an excellent test actually of um whether parker can really get keep the spirit up and um get the players playing the way he wants them to you know, if we, we can get a, another clean sheet, uh, that's two in a row. That'll be uh, fantastic. I think that'll be um, the sort of thing I'm looking for. If we can, if we can much, that kind of, <laughs> if, we, if we can add that kind of um, defensive, you know, determination to the, the the way we we attacked effectively against um, uh, against Everton, then 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 I'd be you know happy days. Like I said, it, it's performances rather than results for me. So uh, another yeah. ninety minutes of where we can't really complain too much about what we've done, then that would be good. Yeah, I mean a result against Bournemouth would be massive. I think it's probably our hardest game of the remaining life, harder than Wolves in my opinion. Um, but Claire, what do you, I mean? What are your final thoughts on Wolves and um, on Big Burn on uh, Bournemouth and potential score predictions? And also, I mean if. Are you as excited as potentially relegating Cardiff as quite a lot of other people are? I don't really care about that, to be honest. Um, <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, I'd, I'd quite like to see him stay up because it's, it's, it would be a great story if, if, if Warnock kept him up as much as I pretend not to like him. I don't really mind him, to be honest. Um, and, and if they came back, then, then it would be an incredible achievement. But in terms of Bournemouth at the weekend, um, I'm looking forward to it. I don't expect anything from the game. I hope it's going You're to be going, a good day out. Yeah, I'm going down on the train. Yeah, it's it's going to be good fun. There's there's quite a nice few one. people going that I know, and we'll we'll have some good fun down there. Without with maybe with inflatables, maybe not. But either way, it's, it'll be a good day. Win win, lose or draw, it doesn't matter. As soon as this season's over, you know we'll uh, we'll go again next season and, and and look forward to that. So yeah, one thing I was going to say actually, just while I've while I've got the floor, is um, we we didn't do a podcast last week, but the the interview with John Collins went out, which was excellent. Check it out if you haven't heard it already. But one thing that is worth mentioning here is the um, is the video that Danny Boy and um, and Matt Lampett put together, which has had one hundred and fifteen thousand views, which is absolutely crazy. And I would imagine that everybody listening to this has already seen it, but if for some reason you haven't, then you know, check it out at the Fulham Focus Twitter page. It's it's pinned to the top of the page. It's a couple of minutes, and it's um, 
it's just a, a brilliant video compilation of um, some amazing moments supporting Fulham with with a great bit of music over it. So be, be sure to check it out. And, you know, Danny Boy doesn't get uh, much praise, but him and Matt Lampert did an amazing job with that. So nice one, chaps. Yeah, I will um, I'll back that up. I mean, I've seen a lot of comments on Twitter, uh, people saying that it's uh, the best Fulham-related video they've uh, they've ever seen. And, you know, it's really hard to disagree with that. It's, it's amazing stuff. And, you know, I've, I've watched it so many times I've lost count um and it was a really good tonic for happening just after we got relegated as well just to remind everyone what this club's about and um they, they, they've captured that perfectly so yeah really good stuff well I mean I couldn't think of a better way to end the pod there lads that's great other than Mr. McClure clean out your loft um excellent 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 <laughs> It's good advice. It's good advice. <laughs> it really, really needs a good sync to Excellent. All right. Okay, guys. Thank you. Thank, thank, thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you all for listening at home or at work or on the bus or wherever you're spending your days. And just to let you know, we're on Spotify. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on the regular pod app. We're doing all the same stuff that we usually do. And we'll have our pod next week on Easter Monday, allegedly, to discuss our trip away from Bournemouth and we'll have a look to our upcoming match against Cardiff. So that is goodbye from me, Mr. Dom, and Mr. McClare. Thank you very much for listening to us. Come on, you whites. See you soon.